Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one, George Lucas, Stan, Cullen, Ashley. Emilio Diaz. All right, and we are finally, I think for the first time this year, returning to our uh, 2006 Can Competition series. Uh, we will be talking about the second and last Italian film in competition, uh, Nani Moretti's The Cayman, or Il Caimano. Uh, we will all, that movie is about, uh, the making of a, uh, a film about Silvio Berlusconi, uh, and we will also be talking about the, uh, uh, documentary about the making of a very different film, uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. How different is it? We'll do, we'll get into it. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and who better to join us to do those two things than uh, the producer of the George Lucas Talk Show, Patrick Cotner? Woo! I hello love the Cayman. How are you? Yeah, we're buried the lead. You're also the biggest Cayman fan that anyone knows. I'm sure. the oh my gosh! It's like when you guys were like, we got to do the Cayman. Who do we get? Yeah. There, there was only one name that yeah. came to mind. It was it, Je- yeah. Jesse just put out a tweet that was like, "Who likes the Cayman?" And then mm-hmm. you were Your like, Google alert. My, my yeah, my saved Twitter hashtag finally lit up first time in a decade. Wow, what was happening with the Cayman in 2011? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. <laughs> <a> great question. <laughs> <laughs> Physical media release of some kind, maybe? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Five years yeah, that, yeah. That, that was when the, the one DVD that exists, which is what we all watched, of yeah. course, came yeah. out. We yeah. pass it around. Mm-hmm. Um, Sisterhood of the Traveling Yes. So excited to have you here, Patrick. I, I, I guess the question, I, I, don't, I don't know if you have an answer to this question, so if you don't, it's fine. But we usually, <laughs> we often start by asking our guests, do you have any film festival experience? What's your, what's your relationship to film festivals? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton. I went to some Tribeca stuff because mm-hmm. I live in New York. Um, not a lot of stuff like in competition, sure. though. It was right. a lot of like yeah. screenings of things. Like we, I went to, um, they showed uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm. and everybody everybody was there. Like you mm. know, all of the Python were there. Um, so I went to that, and then I also saw Meaning of Life because like John Cleese and Terry Jones were doing a Q and A. I must have seen other stuff at Tribeca. I just can't remember what mm-hmm. it is. Life, at this life point. of Brian, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Life of Brian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was. <laughs> no. yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the thing with Tribeca is every movie you want to go see is like twenty five or thirty dollars, mm. even if it's like at a regular movie theater with no Q and A. It's just like mm-hmm. right. Honest money. I I've wanted to go to other festivals, and every year I'm like, I should go to you know such and such this year. I should go to this this year, and I just never do right. it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm so sorry to let you guys know. No, I mean, all. it's a it's a big commitment that we've done yeah. several times, but yeah, yeah, it's fun, but it's a lot. It 
very quickly yeah. becomes like, oh, for if you're traveling, for this to be worth it, you have to see so many movies in a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which I just don't have the patience to plan mm-hmm. or the, you right. know, it's it's a lot of planning For that sure. uh, stresses right. me out. The yeah, I mean, planning I, is the bit that I love. It feels like... That's, that's one of my favorite parts. Sure. It For some reason, I can handle going to, like, a Comic-Con or mm-hmm. something. But going to a film festival just feels like so much more stress mm. in my I mean, head. I don't know why. When you go to something like a Comic-Con, do you try to have a schedule or is it more free-roaming? I mean, I, tr- I try to... I try to make a list of things I would like to see and the times they are, but a lot of times I'm like, well, if I missed that, it's not the end of the right. world, you know, or if it's so many things, whenever you go to Comic-Cons at this point, like the lines are so gosh darn long sure. um, that it's just like frustrating and you're like, you can't get too excited about anything because you're like, yeah, but there's going to be 900 people in front of me in line for a 300 person room, so what's the point of right. even yeah. doing it? Well, Patrick, what, what um, if I told you you could have the, oh, it's fine if I miss it experience, but about something you already purchased tickets for. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that, is what, that is what it's like going to a film festival. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, then no, I don't want that. I don't want that at it's all. Like, I guess I already spent like $20 on this ticket, but I don't want to go to the theater at 9 in the morning, so I'll just sleep through it. Yeah. It's like, that's a yeah. sunk cost. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other uh, type or specific festival that I would imagine you would have been to parts of... Uh, it also works yes. very differently is the Del Close Marathon. Uh, I truly didn't even think of that, but yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yes, which I guess very occasionally would show a movie. Uh, yeah, like they, they. Yeah, if it's related, yeah, like they. Did. We should we should explain yes. to people uh-huh. what the Del Close Marathon is. Del Close Marathon. Yeah, Del Close Marathon for years was a uh, improv festival in New York. Mm-hmm. I think it went for twenty years. I want to say. Yeah, and then it stopped. And then a few there was a twenty-first year in LA. Yeah, but we don't. That's not, you know, that's not a real one. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it's fine. I'll throw down the gauntlet. I don't work there yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, um, yeah, huge improv festival. Mm-hmm. Went for like 72 hours straight. You could go mm-hmm. at literally any time of day, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever, go see a show uh, on multiple different mm-hmm. venues. There would like be 10 venues across the city that you could get into. But that was sort of different. Yeah. And this is a very, here's what I'll say. This is a very privileged reason why that's very sure. different for me. Mm. Because for so many of those years, I was booking ASCAT, which was like the big show mm-hmm. at UCB, I had a, hey, don't hassle me wristband. Mm-hmm. I can go wherever I mm-hmm. want. Yeah. So I didn't need to wait in line for yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was truly, even if stuff was full or sold right. out, they couldn't yell at me, which is like, obviously, <laughs> I understand not the common uh, uh, experience at that thing. Right. But um uh, there, but there's also, you know, you're like, oh, but I want to go to this show, but I also want to go to that show that's 10 blocks away and it's at the same time, yes. so I can't go to it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I imagine it's like that at th- film festivals. Yeah, I mean, it. how I would deal with Del Close Marathon, which I think made it work more easily than film festivals, is I'd just be like, all right, I'm just going to camp myself out at one of the theaters. <laughs> and then you can just be like, totally. you're in when you're in and you're not in when you're not in. Yeah. And then, yeah, you don't have to really yeah. make any... The only decisions you have to make is basically which half of the shows am I going to see and which half of the shows am I going to sit in the sweltering heat for. Yeah, Hope it was a very stressful, very stressful experience mm-hmm. that I 
both miss deeply and do not miss at all. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah, we should uh, start talking about. We're, we're gonna. Oh, we'll will we start with the Cayman? I assume because it was. Yeah. yeah. I think so. All right. It was better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who can say? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so Jesse, do you have uh, Nanny Moretti background? I don't. Have uh, I mean a little bit. Like yeah, I can. So he. It's interesting because he is someone who. For at least, like, the last 20 years, it's like, oh, yeah, anytime Nani Moretti makes a movie, it's going to be in competition it can. Right. Which was interesting, because he, he's a, certainly, like, an international director. I don't, having seen just this movie and one other, I wouldn't necessarily think of him as, like, an art house director. He kind of just makes, like, sort of down-the-middle dramas that just aren't popular they're not unpopular in the united states because they're too arty it's just because they're in italian and you have to watch subtitles like he you know he's been compared to woody allen because he makes a lot of movies that he's in or there's kind of a surrogate character like and several of them are about directors uh um yeah like he so this is this might be the Cayman might be his follow-up, I think, to The Sun's Room, which won the Palme d'Or yeah, in 2001. Like yeah, so that's his his biggest kind of success. And then since that, I think he's done two more movies. He did uh, We Have a Pope, about I guess about how we have a pope. And then uh, Mia Madre was his most recent movie, which was in competition in 20. 20- 15 which i have seen and that that's like a pretty it's another movie that's like about a a filmmaker uh it's like pretty fun Uh, margarita by b something who plays the main character's uh wife in this movie is playing the filmmaker in that movie and then uh nani moretti who acts in a lot of his movies is playing her brother and then john turturro is actually in it as like this pain in the ass American actor who was like, oh yeah, I'll do an Italian movie. I can speak Italian. That'll be great. And, uh, can't at all. Uh, he's very funny. He, what is his, he has a very funny name in that movie, much like the main character of this movie. His name's Barry, Barry Huggins. That's right. John Turturro is like Barry Huggins. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, he has another movie coming out that, like, probably would have been at Cannes last year if they'd been in a Cannes, and if there's one this year, it'll probably be there that, uh, I think he's in, and, uh, Alba Rohrwacher, who we've talked about before, is in, uh, called Three Rooms, I want to say. Uh, what is this new movie called? I feel like I... Okay, yeah, it's uh, Trey Piani is the uh, I guess that's three floors is the uh, the uh, Italian title, but it's now called Our Way apparently in English, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess the fact that it has an English title which is different from the direct translation means that they're starting to work on marketing and plan on having it out soon. But so yeah, I guess this is kind of in starting maybe the later part of his career because i think he started making movies in like the 70s uh 
and has acted in like other people's movies uh but yeah that's that's yeah. the nani moretti I, background I, that you, I can the one th- one thing you left out that i'm surprised you didn't want to you have, maybe have an axe to grind with him which is because he was the president of the of the country. Oh, of course, he was. Uh, he was the president of a very. He was a very notorious can president in 2012. Yeah, uh, and gave he, uh, Michael Hanukkah. His well, he second. gave Michael Hanukkah his second Palme d'Or, but more <laughs> notably, he uh, absolutely refused to give uh, Holy Motors, one of the probably ten best movies of the last ten years. Uh, anything he just said he he was notorious for just being like a very very strong-minded jury president as opposed Mm. to everyone who we've had on our podcast uh to be a a jury president who's been nothing but wonderful yes Uh, we've not had our nani moretti yet that's true one day maybe next week who knows (laughs) maybe i'm ready to find somebody Um, great. So, yes. the Cayman, or uh-huh. Il Kimano. Ka- Kaimano? Cha- ka- I took Kaimano. one semester of Italian, wow. don't remember any of it. Il Kimano. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the story of a producer uh, 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 who's not, who's down on his luck, right? He's, like, sort of at the end of his rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... I mean, he, has, he hasn't made a movie in uh, ten years. It, right. it starts with... Uh, like a little retrospective like, screening of his yeah. last movie. We should say his name is Bruno Bomono. Yeah. Yes. Great name. Mm-hmm. Great name. Yes. A lot of good names yeah. in this movie. Yeah. The Italians, they, they do good with the names, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he uh, is, like, gonna make a, uh, a uh, Christopher Columbus movie. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. then that falls apart, and also his marriage is falling apart. His wife is asking mm-hmm. for a separation, so he, a, a woman has like given him a script at this retrospective screening of his last movie. Mm-hmm. And then, so he ends up sort of just like through happenstance being like, well, I guess I'll make this movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie is a movie about the rise of Silvio Berlusconi. And like, I that's mean, like. It's funny how he arrives at that. Cause it's like, he reads like part of it and he's like, oh, this is like a big, funny, like success story about this mm-hmm. guy. And then yeah. it's like yes. 20 minutes later, like this is about Berlusconi. That's what? Really, yeah. <laughs> He's, like, a real, like, bumbling, like, he's, like, a very, I think it's a very funny character and performance. Yes, I um, agree. Because uh, he, like, is always just, like, like he's flying by the seat of his pants and, like, trying to, like, get something done and, like, is not really, like, spending the time to, like, really get all his ducks in a row ever. Um, had, did you guys, have you guys seen this actor before in anything? Uh, he's in I... The Young Pope. Oh, he is in the other yeah, I'm looking at that now. I have uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like he's... The, he's like the second hand guy. He's like yeah, yeah. He's like right. one he's of like the main Cardinal. Italian guy in the Young Pope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He the entire time while I was watching it, I was like, this guy looks like Harry Shear. That's funny. It was the only thing that was going <laughs> through my head. It was Harry Shear or Dan Hedaya. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Dan Hedaya, definitely. That's popping into my yes, head. Yes, I think he had worked with yeah. Nani Moretti several times before this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that and the young pope, I think, is kind of what he's known for. Silvio mm-hmm. Orlando. Yes. Um. But yeah, but especially early on, I was like quite taken with the like the tonal whiplash of it all. Like it yeah. really like jumps between tones like 
pretty significantly and some of that is like you see clips from the movies and they're like pitched very differently from like the stuff in real life and like he tells his son's stories and like you see some illustrations of that and that's pitched very differently but like mm-hmm. it really does yeah. like sort of jump around and like vary the energy a lot early on in a way that i was like very taken by yeah i mean speaking of uh um of uh showing scenes from his movies uh the my very first experience with this was i was trying to get the subtitles to work so i went (laughs) to just a random point uh sort of early on in the movie and they're just like uh throwing lobsters and crabs at this guy who they're murdering and i was like is that what this whole movie is gonna be but no that's i'll say this i'll say this I wouldn't have been mad. If no, that was yeah, yeah that sequence is so fun. Which, yes, which is, is like fun. he's that's like the bedtime story, right? And yes, it's like it's, yeah. it's a bedtime story, but he's just telling his kids like what happened in one of his movies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, right, and it's very fun. Like, yeah, there's like mm-hmm. all this like kitchen hijinks and stuff. Yes, like I mean, yeah. <laughs> When the wig falls off after she dumps the boiling water on him, I was like, "This is good stuff." <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that was just like a fun directorial opportunity to be like, "Yeah, I can throw some B movie footage into my mm-hmm. uh, uh, Berlusconi satire yeah. slash familial drama." Yeah. Um, and then I guess yeah, from there like. It gets more and more, like, caught up in the, like, him trying to make this specific movie, the Berlusconi mm-hmm. movie. And it's, like, his relationship with the the, the director, the, the woman who's who's written this script and is going to direct it. And, and, like, his relationship to, like, his financers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess there's a few times, right, where you see, like, clips from, like, a hypothetical version of the movie... Right. right, like, I which... guess that's the movie that they're, like, imagining making. Right. Yeah. Um, when they're reading the script. Which is interesting, because then, like, you do see, like, the movie they actually, or, like, this se- segments of the movie they do actually end up making at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an interesting, like, sort of tee-up for, mm-hmm. for that, I yeah. think. Now, so here's a question. Did did everyone else catch who so the one of the fairly early on one of the steps is that they're trying to cast the lead <laughs> and this director the 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 young director writer who he's working with has someone in mind for the lead who they're like meeting with in a car did ever i knew going in who this was going to be did everyone else catch who this was I, I don't think so. I don't know. No. So they, so. the first person that they offer the role to is Nani Moretti playing himself. Oh, oh okay, yes. right. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. But isn't, he's also. But then he does it in the, the end. Yeah. Scene? And then, right. Because, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, no, I, I'm not going to do this. This is ridiculous. And then yeah. they cast this other guy. But then, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. By the end, the other guy drops out and it ends up being him. Now I I don't know Nani Moretti outside of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is my first right. uh, uh, exposure to him. So I'm looking at this Wikipedia page. Did not even clock the director's name, and I see in the cast list where it's like himself slash Silvio Berlusconi, yeah. and I'm like, but who is this? Guy? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah. they just got some yes. random. They got some director to do right. this. That's weird. Like I just didn't put it together <laughs> yeah. at all. Well, there um, are. I didn't. Because I knew what Nani Moretti looked like because I'd seen him in this other movie he'd made. I didn't know what they looked like, but there are several other just, like, we're going to cast this director in this role. Like, uh, yeah. Paolo Sorrentino, who yeah. 
directed the other Italian movie in competition this year and also did the the young and new pope, pope. uh yeah. Matteo Garoni who yeah. oh, okay. I don't even know what uh point in his career Probably he was at Gamora is his breakout, and that's a couple years later. I don't know if he, okay. maybe he hadn't yet directed a movie at this point, but he became a director. Yeah, yeah it's like the uh, he directed the Pinocchio. <laughs> yes, he did direct the new Pinocchio with Roberto Benigni. Uh, but yeah, he's like doing like the uh, the. Uh, uh, Scorsese doing Wolf of Wall Street thing where he's just yeah. like, yeah, I'll just cast a bunch of directors in this. They'll probably be mm-hmm. easy to direct uh, with like Spike Jones and Rob Reiner and John Favreau. <laughs> yes, a very weird scene that I forget about all the time in Wolf of Wall Street. I don't remember that. He's like the lawyer at the end. Um, when I when they're like, that movie. I think I've only down. seen that movie. I think I saw it in theaters and that was it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, his stuff oh, that was memorable was Spike Jones's. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Cayman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the, this, it, I guess, yeah, because you see a, like, there's a lot of footage of, like, the actual Berlusconi, I think, in mm-hmm. the movie. And then, like, you get, and it's, and there's all this stuff about, like, how do you make, like, a political film in, like, in this environment and stuff. And I, yeah, I, that stuff, I guess, was, like, interesting if, like, I, like, felt a little bit lost at sea of, like, I don't really know that much about Italian politics at the time. Like, I know, I know Berlusconi by, like, reputation and, like, I know a few things about him. I do not know his timeline extremely well. Um, I did see the Sorrentino movie about Berlusconi, Laura, which came out, like, three years ago at the first TIFF I went to, um which I think is about a much later period in Berlusconi's life to my memory, mm-hmm. although it's been a very long time. And I saw like, so many movies at that TIFF and that was the first one. Um, but like, yeah, it's, I, I guess like it is interesting. Cause like there's so much stuff that I feel like that does definitely feel like still like very like relevant and current, I guess. Cause like it's all about like how Berlusconi like is able to like, manipulate the media and like play his off his image as like a rich guy and like that sort of thing and like he how he uses his like his image as like kind of a joke but like people still believe in him and like there's like all the all this stuff that like definitely i mean that that first like nanny moretti scene where they're in the car that's like very instructive of it because it's like they're pitching him on it and because they figure like oh well you're like a leftist like you would be on our side and try Mm -hmm. and make that movie who other people wouldn't touch it and he's just like yeah, but everybody either know he knows he's bad or they're just gonna think it's like a joke. So it's like, what's really the point in making the, this mm-hmm. movie? It's like, well, yeah. what, it, yeah. like, who? What are we gonna gain? Which like right. I, today I was thinking, I was like, hmm, is this like, is this like a vice thing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It because it did. Yeah, it did make me think about that, and it made me think about. Um, what you, uh, the Comey rule, the Showtime. I was just yeah. going to say that, so I'm yeah. so glad that you did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we all watched like, and, and yes. thought about the Comey rule, right? Yes, like, this is the course. thing that, like, because, like, the whole narrative they had around that was, like, we got to get this thing out before the election because yes. it's going to, like, really make it's waves change and, like, things. change everything. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you try imper- arguing with the results. But... Here's what I'll say, Andy. Empirically, you cannot say that it did not work. Yeah, yeah. That's you true. Know? There's no way to prove that There's it did There's no work. way to prove it. 
<laughs> but it is it's definitely because like when i was watching that with my roommate we were uh, i think probably six months into quarantine already so like we were already <laughs> not doing great but yeah. it was still one of those things where we were just like who is this for like right. who is this for beyond like the people the resistance twitter you know what i right. mean where it's like these are for the Krastenstein brothers and that's it. So I totally understand, uh, you know, I get his point of view in this movie where it's just like, yeah, you're not going to, you're not winning anybody over with this. Like we get right. it. Um, and, but then the, but, right. But then the movie I think is also very, like she, like she is very sincere and like, I think yeah. mm-hmm. is like righteous. I don't know if that's the right word, but she's like, like she's like in it for the right reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. And is, and at least at the beginning, like that maybe gets away from her by the time they're actually making the movie. But like, she definitely is like, well, I'm going to like make this, like is very earnestly approaching. Like I'm going to make this movie that has a lot of things to say and is like maybe going to change things. And is going to like approach these things in a medium that it never has been in before. Like, cause like no one's made a Berlusconi movie. Like he's been on TV all the time, but if we make a movie, maybe that'll be able to shed some different light on him or whatever. So she has that viewpoint while I think the movie does raise those questions of like, it's, what are you what are you doing why why would you do that like it's not really gonna do anything yeah yeah and it also like reflects like this interesting change in like the main character's mind because like as as i said at first he's like sort of takes to the script because it's like uh he like superficially reads it about like this man's success story and it's like the character in the movie is called el Kaiman. so it's like so it's like not at like a glance super like noticeable that it is Berlusconi and that you just like like have to read a little more of the script. Mm-hmm. It's so and he's like my like I don't know if we said it, but he's like primarily like a B movie producer. He's like a yeah. genre guy. So this is like a turn for him to make a movie that is more like drama and politically. But it's like I sort of read the turns the movie takes as like him sort of buying his own bullshit of being like, well, if I only got one more movie to make, then I guess it might as well be this important thing in quotes. Yeah. But, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating to dissect that, especially as his like life sort of falls apart. Cause yeah, that's the other thing that's going on is like it, you know, you relatively frequently, it will cut to just like these like kind of sweet scenes with like his kid or like scenes where like he's arguing with his, uh, wife or ex-wife they they get divorced at the end of the movie or like him seeing her uh, at a restaurant when they've been separated for like six months and then going to their house and ripping apart one of her sweaters and she's just like what are you doing what's wrong with you yeah. I do also uh, want to yeah. point out I mean we are talking about two things on this specific podcast episode Mm-hmm. And there are two references to that thing in this movie. Yeah. Because the kid mm-hmm. is building a Lego Millennium Falcon. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. God, and then all the Legos. He, what, that, there's that one yeah. shot where he's just like walking on Legos oh, and I like yeah. yelped out loud. It was. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and then he also tore that band aid off the wound, reminding us that War of the Worlds was beating Star Wars Episode 3 at the box yes. office, you know? Mm hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just thought I thought it was funny because I I yeah. don't have had any of you seen this before picking those two no. things together. Mm-mm. No, no. Funny. Yeah, we uh, yeah. It was just like the very we've done this our last Italian movie. We just picked another Italian movie. Yeah. So this one we at least knew that there was like it's about a filmmaker. Yeah, there was yeah. like some yeah. sort of thematics there. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's interesting. 
to say Vice. Because when I was watching this, I was like, I'm shocked that this hasn't been, like, remade in America. Like, because it was, like, a huge hit in Italy. Like, their most successful movie <laughs> that year. Um, and it's, like... You mentioned earlier, Jesse, of, like, his movies aren't really, like, arty. They're just foreign. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. this would be, like, a hit in America. It's, like, stars like Will Ferrell in 2007. Like, it's yeah. this, you know, Hollywood producer mm-hmm. can't do anything and, yeah. like, is going through this thing with his wife and his kids. It just feels like easy money. And, like, mm-hmm. the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I don't know if anyone remembers that movie, uh, the Vince Vaughn movie Delivery Man. Where he like donated sperm to a Cody bunch of places. Smulders, Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. We remember Delivery Isn't Man. Come on. Chris Pratt in that? Chris Maybe. Pratt, yeah. yeah, sounds right. But it's based on this like French movie called Starbuck about a guy who like uh it's like the same premise. They just like remade it. And I was like, mm-hmm. why didn't they do that to this movie? Like it feels like such a smart move, but I guess like no one saw I mean, it. I mean, who do you what do you swap in for Berlusconi? Like I mean Bush, right. like just yeah. doing like or in I the guess. mid 2000s, I mean, Will Ferrell just had him play Bush also. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. I guess. Well, I mean, if you're making it today, I think there's one. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I don't yes. know if you guys have heard about this guy, but he's <laughs> he's crazy. He's crazy. So mm-hmm. crazy. Um, I do also want to point out that Jay Leno did play himself in Delivery Man. Of course. Okay, listen. I just want to make sure that that have is. No Jay's always down to cameo. We know this. I want to make sure that is on the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of Jay Leno looking dudes in El Caimano. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I always wondered what it would be what it would be like to be in like the fake audience for a Jay Leno cameo. Yeah. Like does he just do that at the top of another a regular taping where he's like, I have to my, record these fake Here's my jokes. guess. Here's yeah. my guess. Because you never do see the audience, you just hear right. the laugh. It's just yeah. my guess is it's like two thirty on a Tuesday or something like that. And they're like, Jay, just sure. come in here and do this for like two minutes or something. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There's only one um, way to find out. Let me give yeah. him a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we banned Jay from the podcast. You can't call him right now. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is really like, interesting in the movie is like, is like tracking how good of a producer he is, I think. And like how mm-hmm. much, like how good he is at his job. Like there's that one scene I think that really sticks out to me where she's like freaking out about having to like start directing and he like comes mm-hmm. out and like talks to her and like talks her off the ledge and is like it's going to be great like you're going to do a good job and i do think like there's that very nice like sweet like oh there's like a reason he's like in this job and has like had fa- found success in the past mm-hmm. i think that like that thread to the character i really appreciated yes though i'd say the fact that he is a white man who has been unable to produce a movie for 10 years suggests he's not an exceptionally good producer. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he clearly has some some uh, interpersonal strengths. Yeah, I don't, I don't I guess this is what the second movie we've covered about like a weirdly ineffectual producer at the end of this rope because we also did Father of My Children, which is sort of like yeah right similar thing i guess like maybe it's just different over there in italy maybe it's hard to make a film you know maybe yeah i do think i would have appreciated this movie more knowing more about the italian film industry sure you know what i mean like while i was watching it i I was like 
I bet this is real funny to everybody over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, also obviously the politics stuff. I think you yeah. know if you're more right. well versed in that, it, mm-hmm. it obviously helps a little bit. But the movie stuff specifically, I, I was like, I'd be eating this up if I was yeah. if I was if I yeah. knew what it was. <laughs> yes. I knew what they were talking yeah. about. Someone somewhere is really laughing at this. Yeah, a lot, and I'm happy yeah. For yeah. Them. The uh, <laughs> the Italian versions of us are yes. who are yeah. film nerds <laughs> in Italy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. Yeah. What did everyone think about the ending and like where, like that ending sequence? Because I feel like that was where it like most lost me. Because it gets just like pretty down the middle, right? Like it's just like, and now we're doing Berlusconi stuff. I feel like. Yeah. Here's what I'll say: when that title card and the credits started at the end, I was like is this a fake out and then the movie's going to keep going? I like thought it was right, the credits right. for the movie and sure. then it was going to go back to real and then it just didn't. Right, yeah. Uh, but that was fully what I was expecting. Yeah, it is a weird ending because it's just like uh, five minutes of Nani Moretti playing Berlusconi and yep. then it's just like fade down the lights on a yep. close-up of uh, Nani Moretti with his big uh, prosthetic nose, and then it's just like, the Cayman, un film de Nani Moretti. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess it's like, because there are ways you could read it, and then, like, in my mind, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, is this like supposed to be, like, an ironic thing where it's like, this is supposed to be the movie they didn't want to make where it's, like, sort of accidentally, like, making this guy seem like the bigger, more, like, competent figure than he want than they wanted him to be mm-hmm. or is this right. ju- or is this supposed to be like the big triumph of like the big like takedown that they really wanted to make at the end and i guess it's like that's the thing where it's like i guess not knowing like italian politics or filmmaking i can't really tell yeah right right i guess my assumption would be that it's kind of the like oh they did just make the film that they didn't really want to make but i get <laughs> you know i guess if they wanted it to be obvious then there would be a little coda of either like them being like aha we did it or like <laughs> yeah i think i have zero opinion on the end <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah. It just happened, and I was like, okay, I guess that's the end. All right. Yeah. I sort of find that, like, slightly satisfying. I guess it's more like his the the conclusion to, like, his personal life stuff, where I was like, I guess it's like mm-hmm. he has a fine relationship with oh, his sure. family. I don't know how yeah. invested I was into that aspect right. of this whole movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it just falls into the thing of, like, not knowing what the situation is, where it's like, yeah, like, he's like he's just doing it i guess and then like you know you have like the molotov cocktail go and it's like nice looking like and it's like stylistically well done of him just like mugging as he's driving away and then right. the title drop but then it's just like yeah i guess that's how the cave ends yeah <laughs> i'll say it would have been a lot better if it ended with the guy uh sitting at his table and writing Il Caimano, part Listen, two. I mean, fade I in <laughs> space. The funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> the funniest thing. Is this a transition point, Jesse? Is that what I think I so? Unless anyone else anyone have any wants to say more thoughts? about the Cayman. I mean, do you think 
Do you think Danny Moretti at, during his production meetings went around and scribbled stuff with highlighters to show what was going to be CGI? Yeah, right, this is real. This you is think real. that was part of you know, coming up? Yes, I'm not this sure. This nose yeah. here is fake. Yeah, right. yeah. Yes. yeah. He, he had like 15 awkward children audition for his, for his the little kids in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah disappointed that uh, his wife they just went with full G- CGI instead of uh, just a CGI head with the, with the, the body suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel uh-huh. like that would have been would have been a little more effective choice. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, so we're talking about okay. what's the, the, the it's called the beginning, called the beginning. I believe. Yeah, uh, and then the subtitle mm-hmm. is not like, to be confused with uh, the the Georgian film from last year, Beginning. Yeah, Jesse, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think anyone was confused on that? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I yes. do like mm-hmm. the idea of someone prepping to listen to this podcast and watching both of those and being like, wait, what? I mean, it is, that is a movie. That's a movie that it's perhaps more likely that we would talk about. <laughs> but, yes. Um, and I mean, I, yeah. We've talked about the prequels and b- beginning both once previously on this podcast. So it's a toss yeah. Yeah, uh, the subtitle is "The Making of Episode One," and it's about just that. It's about uh, the making of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. It's a sixty-six minute documentary that I believe was included on the original Phantom Menace DVD, but is not yes. typically included in like physical media releases right now. It seems like I the Blu-ray set was... that I had it did not have it. Yeah, um, it is not on the Blu-ray. I have heard it might be on Disney Plus, but I have not checked. Yeah. I couldn't so find I it on Disney Plus. It is just okay. on the Star Wars YouTube. Yeah, like, it's the official so Star Wars YouTube yeah. that has it yeah. up there. Um, uh, which you can, so you can go watch it right now. Yep. And um, I recommend watching it. It's very good, I think. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's like, it's interesting, because like, you know, uh, the, I know the co-hosts uh, have very differing relationships to Star Wars as a as a franchise and a property, and just Episode One and the prequels specifically. We I haven't... should say, because yes. I don't know if I've made this clear on the podcast before, we did talk about Episodes Two and Three because uh, they premiered we, it because Cannes. they premiered at Cannes. So when we did our Cannes blockbusters. And so I've seen those. I have not seen The Phantom Menace. I watched maybe 10 minutes of it during your Star Wars Day marathon last wow. year. Thought Jar Jar was... I think I watched, like, the lead into the pod race and then, like, the first half of the pod race. And was just like, all right, I get it. Jar Jar's kind of funny. Yeah, you would think Jar Jar's funny. You should watch The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Jesse, I want to say this. I want to make this abundantly clear. If you thought Jar Jar was kind of funny, you should watch the fucking movie. (laughs) That movie is all in on the idea that Jar Jar is funny, certainly. And they're right. And they're right. Yeah, I mean, if I were to identify what's missing from the two that I've seen, it would probably be Jar Jar Binks. Of course. I mean, it, as George says, if, if Jar Jar is the center to this whole movie. Yeah, Jar-Jar he's like, yeah, it's the key. Which, I yeah, mean... We've, we've never had a character this funny before. <laughs> that's a funny way to put it. So, no, though, Jesse, I am, I am so curious, Jesse, to hear your thoughts specifically uh, on yeah. this. Well, it is still, like... Your thoughts of it are going to be very colored by, though I think it works either way, whether you're like, oh, this is them... Uh, 
starting upon this journey this that's just going to be yeah, the right. yeah this great folly or like oh they're working on this uh like, look at them they're doing it they're making it right happen. they're doing it i mean no one's quite like look at them they're doing it but they're like oh this is them embarking on about to be uh hugely misunderstood i guess i mean the, yeah. I want I want to say when we're starting off talking about this I maybe have seen this documentary I don't want to say as many times as I've seen Phantom Menace but sure. goddamn it it's pretty close yeah. I've seen this documentary shockingly guys this is the second time I've talked about this documentary on a podcast in the last year That's so funny <laughs> um, I I love this documentary so much mm-hmm. I watched it so many times when we mm-hmm. got the DVD um Mm -hmm. it's truly like it it is intrinsically linked to the movie in my head like you cannot separate the two it's all i think about when i'm watching the movie i mean um every like i mean jesus this i i'm sorry for uh babbling about this but every like six months i will watch it again just because it's like a nice calming thing that i return to like if i'm like oh i can't sleep i'm gonna put on the beginning so i can fall asleep um (laughs) You know, uh, uh, Rick McCallum calling Ewan and getting so excited. Mm-hmm. Everything so about good. it, just every moment. Ewan is so good. Like, I love you. Oh it's my like God. turned He's into dead. my brain. Yeah. Rick yeah. McCallum looks a lot. Am I wrong that he looks a lot like Nick Cave? I see that. They both have weirdly black hair for their age. I guess, yeah. I guess <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Maybe. Rick McCallum uh, retired from Lucasfilm in like 2012 or something like that. Pretty close to when uh, the Disney the sale happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to Prague, and I don't think he works. I think he just lives in Prague right <laughs> what now. What a sure. legend. Sure. What a true legend. <laughs> oh, excuse me. No. He is still he's still producing stuff in Prague. He like worked okay. on like a World War Two movie and like sure. just like local it. Prague also, stuff or like international. Like uh, it's it is a Prague based production company. Wow. Do you yeah. th- do you think he knows how to say well when George was making in, oh, I'm in sure. Czech? Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I also his um, father in law is Michael York. Right. Yeah. Or Michael York. Yeah, sure. Anyways, that's enough um, of Rick McCallum talk for today. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to like the beginning. Like, I mean, it really does. Yeah, go ahead, Emilio. I was gonna say, I mean, Rick McCallum sort of that ill kaiman of the beginning. I that's, mean, look, that's the thing, right? Is like yeah. he's like a producer who's like making it happen and is like going yeah. through and and working all the deals. Obviously, he has a lot more money behind his. Um, his uh, venture than uh, than uh, our, our our Italian friend does, but um, yeah, I th- there is that one scene right where they're like, well, if we do it digitally or whatever, it'll cost this much, but if we do it practically, it'll cost this much. And mm-hmm. It's like sweating the the dollars and cents of it all. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and let's I, just do I both. Have, <laughs> yeah, I have heard from a couple people who worked on those movies that that was Rick's big thing was sweating the dollars and cents to a <laughs> frustrating degree, Jesus. where people were like, "We are making a Star Wars movie. Maybe relax on some of these dollars and cents that we're dealing with." <laughs> Let us spend mm-hmm. the money. Yeah, um, yeah. The sense particularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, Jesse mentioned that we um, did talk about two and three mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. when we did our summer blockbuster episode, and I had not watched them. If I saw them when I was a kid, it was like once, and I hadn't watched them again until 
last year for that, and I love them. <laughs> I think they're great movies. Great, uh, I love that. The first one is like maybe my least favorite of the three, um, but it's I mean like some of the stuff in it is like just insane. Um, yeah, I feel like it's <laughs> been talked about to death that like how great the Padre sequence is. But yeah. when they're like when he shows them like the first composite of it, I'm like that already looks great. Like mm-hmm. just burning through like whatever Tunisia or wherever they film. Yeah, it's like so crazy. Um, and I had never seen the documentary, and I was like, this is also just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I definitely get the thing of like. I could watch it for like hours and hours because it's just totally. like so soothing and like I need I haven't I haven't watched the the one for Attack of the Clones yet. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, none of the other ones are as in depth or as like mm-hmm. revealing as this one. This is yeah. the one where it feels like they made it, they put it out, and they were like, "Whoa, why'd we do yeah, that?" Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, the other ones are very good, and I recommend watching them just because they're they're some of the stuff that made me interested in working in like production and on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes stuff like it truly is the stuff that is like as a kid seeing that and seeing the like little special edition making of things that were on the vhs's like that was the stuff where i was like oh yeah this is what i want i want to be around this world Mm -hmm. um and i think they're all on youtube so people should definitely watch the others yeah i mean in terms of like how revealing it is and just like the way that it's constructed this is probably the uh the star wars behind the scenes that is closest to a frederick wiseman movie yeah (laughs) uh Uh, in that like there's it it is one would expect to maybe see like talking heads Mm -hmm. interviews and there just aren't any of them in this it is just like like flying the wall. little yeah little vignettes yeah. of just like what's going on which i think is really effective more effective yeah. than just like whatever rick mccallum yeah. trying looking straight into the camera and trying to sell us on why the other one the other one that i recommend if people haven't seen it it is a little more talking heady but there's so mm-hmm. much like flying the wall stuff is the last jedi one uh yes. director right. of the jedi yes on disney plus and it freaking rules um, um, it's great. great. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Ewan McGregor. Uh, the the part where he is like doing the lightsaber battle, for, like, mm-hmm. and falls off, and he's just like, right. ah, like so excited, and gets up, and is like, yeah, yeah. He's you like, want to make a Star Wars? They asked Star me like Wars. fucking a right idea. Yeah, he's yeah. like, hell yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And like you hear, like I imagine, you know, there's no way the whole movie was like that. Like the, you talk, people talk about all the time how like. Neeson was like, you're just like not talking to anyone, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Hard to there do. is not like, that much Neeson in it, which I think is telling. Like, you yes. don't see a lot of footage um, of Neeson. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. the other thing that was like driving me crazy, sort of, was all the stuff with Jake Lloyd, where George Lucas is just like, I don't know what he's doing, but like, <laughs> I, I like, I'm interested by it. And when he's like, the other kid was like auditioning for a movie, like, yeah. he's actually like reading the lines or whatever. It's like, yeah, that audition sequence is fascinating because, like, I would not have picked Jake Lloyd out of those yeah. three guys, yeah. I don't I, think. Probably like... Michael Angrenano is probably yeah, yeah. who I would have picked. I mean, listen, it, it's tough to shit on Jake Lloyd. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah. Obviously he's, you know, and that's, he's I'm not saying that's, yes. I'm not saying that's what we're doing, but I'm, uh, you know, it's like, Maybe he felt the most realistic in the room, and maybe that just didn't translate to footage or, like, you know, once they got on set. But, like, it is a fascinating thing. You wonder if those other kids, 
look back on it and say, whew, dodged a bullet. I mean, or if they're like, mm-hmm. oh man, I still would love that. Like, we right. had like, Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> Haley Joel Osment mm-hmm. was on uh, right. Lucas a few months ago and he was like, I auditioned for it. I would like, went mm-hmm. through the whole rigmarole and they just didn't want me. Right. And thinking back, you're like, he might have been fun. It would have been a different vibe, yeah. but like, uh-huh. you know, he, he shows that he can do the the darkness and the having fun and the everything and you know it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. translate yeah. as well in that movie yeah. but it's you know right that's George, yeah george's relationship about. to him is is fascinating <laughs> that one scene where he's walking away and is like oh yeah like uh uh natalie like she did it in two takes like she's a pro i don't have to yeah. worry yeah. about her anymore or whatever yeah and uh what uh, like ian is like he's all he's always gonna nail like yeah. i always can rely yeah. on him or whatever and then yeah. he's like and i learned a lot about how to work with jake it's today so <laughs> like... yeah <laughs> i mean if you think about all of his other stuff no kids from yeah. what i'm like like there's kids who are like playing ewoks or jawas or something like that sure. but like uh, you know, those aren't <laughs> those mm-hmm. aren't kids who are having to carry scenes and like carry plot lines. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, it's very telling. It's like because you said like the the other ones aren't revealing. It's like very telling that they made this documentary and they decided to put the warts because like oh, th- uh, this movie will be a hit. The warts will be yeah. more interesting if we put it out. And then when there was yeah. a reaction after it, they were like, no, you know what? We th- next time we just show when we're all just doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because it truly, like, I think it makes me appreciate the movie more because you're seeing everybody having so much fun and, like, mm-hmm. being so collaborative and, like, working together to, like, make this big freaking movie happen. And, it, it, you know, it makes you think, like, oh, yeah, I should appreciate this more. I should, like, that is not just CGI. That's a model right there. And I never would have yeah. guessed that, you know, mm-hmm. like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and then, like, uh, the sort of, like, creature shop when they show like how the faces mm-hmm. move is so crazy yes um yeah the other stuff that like was really interesting is when he's uh working with the editor and he's like well i can just take like these two actors from this scene yes. and put this other actor from the other scene like where it works and it's like yes. it's crazy that he thinks of it that way and then that's like a well, that's tra- how he's a trailblazer right that's how hollywood works yeah, yeah. i know and it's I like mean- even in the second two movies, he got to a point where he would, like, take, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor's mouth from one take and put it on his it's body so from another take, but, like, leave his, put his hand in from a third take. Like, he would just, like, mix and match everything. Mm-hmm. It was, like, one of those toys you have as a kid where it's, like, head, body, legs, and you'd, like, yes. spin it to ma- mix and match them up. Like, that's what it just turned into, which is... You know, it's something. It's like sure. maybe not the best way to make a movie, but like if it works, I guess I don't have a problem with it because yeah. I've never noticed it when I've been watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if George Lucas would enjoy in the year 2021 making like an Avengers movie. It's a great question. I don't know. It'd be <laughs> I'd be so fascinated to see him make another movie. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I wonder like him having to work in like another established. Maybe IP, I think yeah. he would not be into. Like I think Yeah, probably not. He's so into yeah, just like I mean, creating like, yeah. the lore. It's like I'll be completely honest here right now. I did not watch the entirety of this documentary because I realized <laughs> five minutes in that I hate watching behind the scenes stuff. It's just like <laughs> gives me hives in a way that I cannot explain. <laughs> Especially like this sort of stuff. But it's like I saw like fifteen minutes of it. It's like yeah. due to like the internet's relationship with the Phantom Menace, I've basically seen everything that's in it sure. uh, due to like mm-hmm. different parts of it. So I like get it but if it's like 
the reason why I think he wouldn't have fun making an Avengers movie is like, because I think a lot of the fun it communicated in this movie is just like a bunch of people getting to make whatever they want, however they want to make it. Yeah, so it's like it's sad. like the visual effects guys are like, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. Let's just try to make something. And George right. Lucas is like, I don't know, yeah. you try this thing. And the writers and the actors are like, yeah, try that. And it's just like, yeah, there is a level of just like, fuck it, let's just figure it out. That mm-hmm. I imagine does That's not happen true. with movies right. anymore. Yes. That it's like very fascinating to see. And, like, George is, like, I think pretty self-aware of, like, the parts of movie making that he, like, loves and is good at and the parts that mm-hmm. he is not. Like, he talks about, like, like everyone always jokes about, like, Faster and More Intense is his only direction yeah. that he ever gives to actors. But he jokes about that, too. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, he is, like, yeah, I'm usually, like, sitting over there looking grumpy or whatever when there's acting yeah. happening mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, he, like, he knows, like, what his strengths are and, like, where, yeah. where what he likes about movie making. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty self-aware guy. And, right. I guess he wouldn't want to be the director. He would want to be, like, the stuff that, the person who does things that usually directors do that they don't get to do on Marvel mm-hmm. movies. Right, <laughs> but I, but the, yeah. the like VFX uh, previous guy, I guess. But it's just like the part with the markers that Cotner yes. mentioned right. at the beginning. That is like such an insane thing to think about. Like just like somebody being like, "Oh, well, this is CGI, and this yeah. is right. normal, and this." Knowing is just on instinct for all yes. like for yes. five hundred storyboard cards of like. I okay. mean the cutaways, the cutaways to like John Knoll or whoever is in that room right then when he just like does a Jim Halpert look to the camera basically yes. and it's like, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, sure, we'll figure this out. I mean, listen, when you watch these these making of things. The thing that uh, I think about is how he didn't go back and just make those movies again. He didn't make those, you know, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. He mm-hmm. was, like, doing a bunch of new stuff, whether you mm-hmm. liked it or not. Like, it it was not a retread of other things, and he was really going for it, and he wanted to push technology forward. Like, Attack of the Clones is the first fully, you know, digital, uh, uh, digitally shot movie. Like, yeah. He's he's mm-hmm. trying things and figuring it out, and whether whether it worked to to your to your liking or yeah. not is a totally different thing. Is yeah. this th- th- is th- is this doc the origin of the it's like poetry it rhymes thing? Yeah, it, yeah, for it sure. must be yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. That he yeah. that. Um, I mean, listen, I mean, it's the origin to a lot of things. It's the origin to the shirt in my closet that says Jar Jar is the key to all of this. It's the origin so of funny. Yeah, I mean, that's what so I was saying. Where it's like, I only watch 15 minutes of, of like it as the entire thing right now, but it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I know so many bits and you pieces it. from it. Of, of, yeah. yeah, of like mm-hmm. the Jar Jar thing. Although the Jar Jar thing is yeah. like at the beginning, but yeah, the it's yeah. like poetry, it rhymes, which is like yeah. a very yeah, funny the, thing. Like, uh, I may have gone too far, which is like really a fascinating moment where he's like, like he understands he's like this is like not gonna be everyone's thing like we're doing such weird shit in this and it's like yeah like you're saying you do have to like sort of give him respect in that regard Um, and it's a fascinating hmm. moment that you don't see in other making of documentaries like yeah that's never something they show even when you're watching like some god-awful movie like everyone is like oh my gosh we're so excited for the public yeah (laughs) we've been working on it so hard even though like you watch it and you're like, mm, this is not good, you know. But mm-hmm. it's not something that ever gets shown on a DVD like, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because so often those things are produced before the movie comes out, exactly. so they're like, right. well, we got to make this look good no matter what, you know. 
Yeah. The, um... Right. I guess the only other thing like that that comes to mind is, is it? It's Affleck on the Armageddon commentary. Yeah. Where he's right? just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Really. Funny. And there's there's um in the Hobbit, making of. Oh. Uh, it's a lot of Peter Jackson being like. Oh right. Yeah, yes. I messed up. I'm sorry. Right. Guys. Like, like I should. I this is not the way to make these movies. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because like... you watch it. I, I mean, those like you're talking about how much you watch the um. The yeah. beginning. Um, I've watched. Of course. <laughs> the uh, the desolation of smog special features like so much. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, even, they're just like fascinating. Yeah, um, I don't even like those movies, and I bought them during mm-hmm. quarantine because I was like, I need to just sit and watch them for thirty six hours or however long they are. Yeah, the uh, um, yeah, I, I also like Desolation, Desolation of Spark, but that's like a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you like whatever you want, like. Yeah, um, but uh, the. Mean, no, I was gonna Go say that the only other it's like the documentary they were making during the last season of Game of Thrones, where people you could see the actors sort of visibly be like. Sure. That that, I, I didn't know about that. That's weird. Yeah. There's some stuff um, that is like sort of like that, though. That is more antagonistic, and like I appreciate what I appreciate by about like the bits and pieces I saw because of this documentary. Is that it's like yeah, it's like more ref- like self-reflective. It's just like it's clearly that it's mm-hmm. a bunch of people trying stuff. Like, mm-hmm. there is, like, you know, obviously there's, like, some jokes, and there's, like, himself saying that, like, it's, like, the most expensive independent movie ever made. But it's, like, it's a documentary that sort of conveys that feeling. It was just, like, a bunch of people being, like, I don't know if we can do this, but we might as well try, or we'll try and put this. I don't know mm-hmm. if we well, have, I don't know if we have the money to make this Star Wars movie do this thing, but <laughs> sure. The other one that is, like, similar in its, and how it's sort of revealing, but, like, it's much more of like a success story is the uh the the ghibli documentary about when he's making um wind rises and like that is like much more triumphant but you see them like in the edit bay and everything and like casting the actors um and i thought of that uh when watching this uh, i do want to talk a little bit about um the jar jar stuff which is also like really <laughs> fascinating and like mm-hmm. what uh a trooper ahmed best must be to just yeah. be like in the heat, in, like, that silicone suit, and he's like, yeah, it's hot, but, like, I'm here. I'm making a Star Wars. It's, like, good mm-hmm. for you, man. That is, like, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I'll say that uh, when they're showing the, like, uh, this is the the full CGI, and this is the one where just the head is CGI, and they're like, oh, well, the one where it's full CGI is, like, the hat takes half as long to do, but it's, like, yeah. the one with Ahmed Best looks a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you wonder what it would look like today if they had kept that. I, I think yeah. there's like two shots in the movie where it really is him. Right. It's like a hand shot or something like that. I, I was also very struck, speak like by the shots of uh, Frank Oz puppeteering Yoda. Yes, yeah. which does not exist in like a version of the movie that you can see anymore because they no. replaced it. Uh, mm. But like, yeah, just seeing him like down there, like doing all this Yoda stuff, and like. Yeah. I think it's in that scene where George like is like talking to him and he's like, "I made more American graffiti and it made ten cents." And Frank Oz yeah. is like, "Really? Like, it's like what are you talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> that scene is like very interesting, and yeah, I do love. Yeah, yeah, I never heard Frank Oz talk just regular before. Oh, he sure. sounds so much like Fozzie Bear. It's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the other little uh, creative person making a cameo is when he's in the. Uh, George is in the sound bay and he's talking to 
Gary Rydstrom. And I'm like, oh, I know that name. I know that name. And of course, he went on to direct Strange Magic. I wow. was, I was hoping and praying that that was the credit you were going to use, <laughs> because if you were not, I was going to hop in with it right after. <laughs> so I'm so happy that. You what said other it. credit is there to name? Well, oh, he I does know. still do like sound stuff. Like yeah. actually, mm-hmm. Cullen just mentioned The Wind Rises, and he directed the ADR for I guess yeah. the okay. American. But he, like he worked on. Uh, oh yeah, Dude, Ad Astra, work- and he's working yeah. on the next Jurassic World movie. I mean, he's uh, been nominated for 19 Oscars, and he's won seven. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so good for him. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he would trade them all yeah. for Strange Magic to be a hit. Uh, yeah, uh, to finally get a Blu-ray release. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, and Spielberg is also in this movie. I guess yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a very true. Scene he too. does show up, and yes. it's like, and, and George is like, "Yeah, this is like a clo- like a, a um, the, 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 yeah. yeah." And yes. that that's that's like a funny scene because Spielberg has such a such a like. Oh, it's great! You're trying this, buddy. Energy during the, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nice you're out here making movies again. Yeah, look at this great little robot, and then George is like, "No, no, 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 no! That's the hand you're putting in yeah, the backwards." Okay. <laughs> but it is yeah. fun just seeing them hanging out, even though they yes. know there's a camera there. Like mm-hmm. it does seem like there are some points where like they almost forget that cameras are on them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another fun thing. It's not on the DVDs. It just got uploaded to YouTube. It's Ahmed Best's uh, video diaries from the set of episode two. Wow. Where he, he's like hosting them. Um, they're each like three minutes, but there's like 40 of them and they all just got put up on YouTube and they're like, they sort of feel like how this documentary feels where he's like in the production office talking to like a PA or like in, you know, the costume department talking to like the lowest talking, person yeah. at the totem pole. Like talking to non-media trained people who will exactly the real shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's fascinating because you're like, Oh, I, you never, you never see someone like putting together like the time cards for everybody, you know, on these wow, movies. Yeah. And like that's mm-hmm. who he's talking to. Uh, and and George and Hayden, you know, like all the big mm-hmm. ones too. But like uh, mm-hmm. I recommend people watching those too. Yeah, I mean Ahmed Best seems like especially from having been on Lucas, just seems like yeah. the greatest guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean he this documentary does so well by him, I think, mm-hmm. because it really shows how much work he's putting into it and how yeah. much, mm-hmm. you know, they really were, like, pioneering new stuff with that technology. And, like, mm-hmm. he deserves a lot more credit than he gets in the world. You know, you hear mm-hmm. all about Andy Circus and stuff, which, like, totally deserved and everything. But, like, this was really the forefront of that. Um, I mean, yeah. With them just figuring yeah. out that technology. I mean, yes. I definitely, like... I have a lot of problems with the prequels and, and stuff, but like totally. the fact that Jar Jar like is able to like physically exist in that movie and not like the, like the sight of him does not break that movie is like a tremendous achievement. Mm-hmm. I think like all the oh, stuff he's doing yeah. is like, I guess certainly more debatable, I think, but like you definitely believe he's like in that world, especially like for a movie that came out in 1999. Like it's yeah, like yeah. crazy, mm-hmm. like how good yeah. that effect is. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah. the other big scene that like I was like <laughs> popping my fist for is when John Williams is conducting Duel of the Fates. It's just so good. Oh god. And, like you, the, you when have, he like, suggests no choir, I was like oh. so outraged. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, but then Lucas is like he 
he's such a weird guy because he's like, and you don't even know, like, this is going to come up again in the third one. And it's like, buddy, <laughs> your brain. I know. I know. Yeah, it's so cool. Seeing, because, like, even when you're listening to that song, you know there's a choir. Right. But yeah. to put faces to it it's is so, so fascinating mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a hundred people out there in the world who are like, oh, yeah, that's me. Right. You know, that's, mm-hmm. and that's not has like a little I paper with like the whatever gibberish they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, as Jesse mentioned, like the funniest thing in a movie is him writing "Fade in Space" for Star Wars Episode Two, <laughs> right? Like, Which, like, they must have like asked him to do. That, yeah, right. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah, not him so. like actually sitting down yeah. to write Episode Two. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> There is, there's a scene in one of the later ones, I think it's one of the episode three ones, I want to say, but like, they're like a month out from production, maybe, and he finally turns in the script and everyone is like, thank God. Like, everyone is so (laughs) relieved. He's like, I did it. Here you go, guys. And everyone's like, yeah, we've been waiting. Well, even in this, yeah, even in, sorry, even in this one, like the last thing is like, yeah. all right, I finally finished the script. Here's yeah. the table read. And then they go shoot. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. thing was that they would, the reason why a lot of the, um, like, co- you know, great costumes in these movies, great sets in, mm-hmm. in these movies, mm-hmm. but some of the stuff that you look at, they put in so much time for the shot that was like five seconds. And it was because he would be like, well, we're going to need this and we're going to need this and we're going to need this. And didn't tell them mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're going to need this for like an eight second shot of someone walking down the hallway. Yeah. So they like went all out on this one thing. And then it just like didn't mm-hmm. really get used in the movie. Yeah. When they go to yeah. Italy and he's like, well, this is going to be like a hologram. He doesn't like the lamps here. So yeah. we're going to take that out. It's like, why go to Italy? It's <laughs> just so funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so Ben George was like, "Yeah, why did we go to Italy?" And then he oh, yeah, decided, he's like, yeah. Yeah. "Yes, <laughs> I know, right, I know." Yeah. Which is why I think those second two movies uh, struggle more than that first one, in my opinion. Episode one's my favorite of the three because it still feels very real and mm-hmm. tactile, for the most part, more than the other two. Mm-hmm. When you're yeah. comparing them, um, sure. you know, you feel that those people are really on that set rather than just like on lunch break at Lucasfilm they throw a bunch of people in the mm-hmm. parking lot and then just like composite them into yeah. the background you know um, yeah that's my take guys I like those movies and I'm sorry if you don't but it's okay I don't I, don't I, I no longer have any them. idea how I feel about them I'm just like you know what <laughs> they got made yeah. I'm glad I'm, so, I'm yeah. sort of glad and do sort of dread what they got made because it's like yeah we are yeah. talking about how like all of the like fun stuff they were doing, but then I was like, oh yeah, this is sort of destroyed movie making now. This just like it's right. yeah. this like sure. act, this like attitude taken to a million. But it's like I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff in it. I, I enjoyed them yeah. as a kid. I, I uh, really also want to be clear. I might watch them, but uh, I'm in too deep and can't really have a solid opinion on it anymore yeah, because right. I'm yeah. just I'm too engulfed in it that it's mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not fair for anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone who yeah has talked to Watto as much as you have like, <laughs> and not have a healthy perspective on whether Watto is a good character or not. Anyone who has talked to Watto for maybe 900 times as long as he's actually in the movies. Oh Cause, yeah, because I mean, it's also, it's like, you talk about how much you you watch this 
documentary but yeah. but you sort of live in this documentary like once a week basically. that is like i know really funny. yeah that's i guess like because yeah i i would guess this is like the maybe the biggest thing where like the character of george lucas emerges from yeah yeah right? like it's like maybe the clearest picture of like what he's like as a guy as a creative as like a guy to like interact with other creative people and I, I i imagine it's a big influence on how connor portrays the character yeah he plays and i him. mean yeah. being being so familiar with these docs it helps because i can like pull out real things from real life to like suggest quote-unquote suggest to george like mm -hmm. that we talk about knowing that it's a actual thing that has been talked about mm -hmm. and this is yeah. his take on it you know yeah yeah i think uh, we're probably moving to wrapping up unless anyone else has anything else to say about the beginning no, no. So. I mean, I guess I All wonder right. if anybody had any thematic connections between the two movies. Like that's, I mean, there is like, how much is Palpatine like, like uh, Berlusconi? Is <laughs> I think, I think there's not nothing there. Yeah, um, Ian McDermott looks like an old Italian man. Sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I guess how much is Rick McCallum like? Uh, 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 Bruno, Bruno Buono. 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 Yeah. I mean the big difference is like George did what he wanted and the other guys had to like fight tooth and That's nail right, to like yeah, try right. to make yeah. their own vision happen you right. know mm -hmm. um, they would have killed to have a to be able to sell the toy rights to their Berlusconi movie yeah. to finance their <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess one of them one of the movies ends on like oh I guess this is the one scene we could make and then the other movie <laughs> ends with yeah. fade in space or whatever <laughs> right. let's, yes let's make two more of these right now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah great so uh patrick thank you so yes. much for joining us that mm -hmm. was so yes. much fun and we're so thank honored to you have guys. you uh Thanks what do you got to to plug or to to to, to mention you know it's a great question um <laughs> let's see first of all uh my Twitter account at Patrick Connor oh, trying to get yes. more Twitter followers than the canceled NBC show 1600 pen. Um, and some so dirty tactics have been used. So really Patrick can use all the support he can get. Himself. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I'm mad about yeah, it still yeah. to this day, even though a lot of someone guys just in case. All right. Hang on guys. I'm going to talk to just the listeners right now. Someone bought a bunch of bots for the 1600 pen Twitter account. And it wasn't cool and it wasn't fair. I was doing really good and I was getting close. And then all of a sudden it's like, why am I 4,000 away? I was like less than like 300 away. Like I'm so gosh darn close. Now it's so many. But a lot of those bots have since been pulled from Twitter uh, for being bots. <laughs> have so you been we're... reporting all the bots that fought? <laughs> uh, Andy, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, um, so you can do that. You can follow me there. If you want to follow me on Instagram, at Kotner. Or, uh, you know, I produce the show, The George Hicks Talk Show. I don't know when this comes out. But right now, we are taking a brief hiatus, hopefully. Uh, I don't know what the future of the show is. We will figure it out in the coming yeah. weeks, um, months, days. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it'll be back tomorrow. It won't be, but we'll see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find it all on YouTube, all the past episodes. We've yes. done a lot over the last year. Mm -hmm. It might seem overwhelming, but I think if you go to YouTube and find a guest that you like, you will be able to find an entry point. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anyone from Whoopi to Jason Manzoukas to Leah Thompson to Ahmed Best um, yes. to Silvio Berlusconi. Mm -hmm. You can find someone that you enjoy. <laughs> Berlusconi stayed for the whole after show. It was really good. <laughs> he did the Irishman, right? He went right, yeah, he went right into the after dark. He had he did, sunglasses yeah, he ready to go and everything. Yeah. 
the werewolf howls. It was amazing. Um, yeah, so just go, you know, go check it out. It's a fun show, and we have a lot of good guests on. And I think if you like this podcast, you will probably like the dumb ramblings that happen on that show too. For sure. Yeah, and I absolutely want to second that. Uh, it has been just such a wonderful thing yes. to have during quarantine. It's been so really. <laughs> every week. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Weeks where it's just like, ah, at least there's this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to I point out that, uh, you know, as much as you guys enjoy watching it, imagine what it's like having weeks not doing it. Yeah. Because oh. it's very strange to just yeah. like, mm-hmm. take some time off now since we yeah. have Oh, yeah. I, I just went to sleep at 8.30pm yeah. <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But thank you for uh, having me. It's been super fun, guys. Yeah, this is great. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Can I Kick It? Uh, or you can follow us on Letterboxd at C I K I Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at uh, JP Glick Weber. Uh, Weber has two B's. And I will plug, and this will tie into our next month's episodes uh wait i shouldn't plug that because you can't watch it anymore when this comes out uh never mind uh if next time metrograph puts up uh claire denise the intruder uh whenever that is uh watch it and listen to our episode uh next month about it also support metrograph because metrograph rules and i'll be very bummed if it goes away once we get back into the regular world they're like one of the New York theaters that are like, we're not coming back quite yet, right? Because a I lot of them. I think that's probably know. the case, yeah. And that's yeah. fine. As long as they yeah, come back. I think so. I don't care when they yeah. come back, but as long as they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only theater in the world I yes. saw a bunch of teens laugh at Vincent Gallo's face on screen. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and where I uh, sat near Jim Jarmish for like 15 minutes, too nervous to say anything. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Andy? Andy? Yes, uh, you can find me online at Andy T. Germ. That's A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M. That's uh, Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, insert your favorite social media platform here, although I probably don't check it very much if I didn't just mention it. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, If you like the show and want to support us financially, uh, which is a very kind thing for you to want to do, you can do so at coffee, ko-fi.com slash canai, that's C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Uh, we appreciate anything that you throw our way uh, there. Uh, still eligible if you want extra guesses for last week's contest. Uh, <laughs> feel free to, to, to donate for extra guesses. Um, yeah. You can also take your first guess for free. That's true. We're still looking for first guesses as well. Um, uh, I don't think I have anything specific to plug. I am doing the Oscars death race right now, and I have not watched anything that has, like, super jumped out to me as, like, I need to recommend this to everyone. Um, uh, So, yeah, I will throw it to Cullen. Uh, Yeah. Quietly on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. And, you know, we do our little plugs, and I have to think about, like, what is the reach of my plug? But I think I want to give it to something that could use a bump. 
Uh, and that is, of course, the K-pop band BTS, and specifically their song Dynamite, which I've just, I don't know if anyone else has heard this. I just heard it for the first time last I don't know week. If anyone else One of the best it. songs <laughs> I can't handle times. that kind of influx of stands listening to our podcast. Come Listen, if, it, if it's what gets us to that next level, then that's what it'll take. But yeah, one of the best songs. Can't stop can you guys, wait, can you guys do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Can you make sure that you either tag or hashtag some BTS thing in the promo about this episode? A hundred percent. Yes, I, you, I yes. mean they would love to follow you. I'm sure on Twitter that would really get you. Yes, over there. I will yeah. take any BTS stands I can get. I I would love it, <laughs> guys. If you've gotten this far because you saw the tweet, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope yeah. to listen to more episodes down the line. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's it for me, Emilio. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone, and you can follow me on Twitter at I Am Laugh Alone. Uh, our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash tree related or search tree related on Spotify. What I'm going to plug this week, let me think about it. What do I want to plug? Uh, in honor of Cotner's plug, I'm going to say go to Letterboxd and like my Dark Waters review, which has 89 likes, and I would like it to hit triple digits because that would be wow. fun. <laughs> so go do Did that. Did you like that movie? I, it's, it's one of those things where the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, this is good and this is so underrated, and I rewatched it for like the fifth time recently. I'm like, is this one of my five favorite movies of all time? It's, it's a good movie. We, yeah. we gave it our uh, inaugural Palm Ali for the true. year of 2019. <laughs> right. if, yeah, we have a commentary released for it. Yeah, we do. If you're looking for a, something to accompany your, your sixth or seventh viewing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really funny. I mean, listen, all that you need is uh, Bill Camp's eyebrows in that. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's all you, that's all you need for the rest God, of your life. The very best. Yep. And with that, I will release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.